This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Lorraine Sugart. Lorraine, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Greg. I'm excited to be here. Well, awesome. Well, before you tell us what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you start at the very beginning and tell us what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, From the time I was in second grade, I told everyone I was going to be a school teacher because I loved my second grade school teacher. She was so creative in how she taught us. And um, and I kept that desire all the way through my second year of college when I had my advisor and two of my teachers tell me that um, it was the 1980s, so it was a long, long time ago, um, <laughs> that there was no job market for school teachers and that since I was taking all these journalism and writing classes that I should really do something with that. Wow, that's interesting. So they saw, they kind of took a look at the job market and gave you some wise advice would you say at that time? Yes, yes. Um, They certainly did. And um, I, I, it really challenged me because it wasn't like now you're really aware of all the different jobs there are because of the internet and because of, you know, the prevalence of different um, people in different jobs on television. So I really had no idea what I could do with writing other than being a reporter. Um, which is not something that I really wanted to do. Um, I thought about, well, writing the great American novel sounds pretty good. I (laughs) I actually um, had the misguided thought that I could do that on summer vacation when I was teaching, but um, when they took teaching away, I thought, well, what could I do? And I'd actually never heard of public relations. And um, so I just started taking a bunch of different classes that needed um, a journalism degree as a foundation. And so I was taking communications and advertising and marketing and PR and really loved the idea. PR was presented to me as telling stories for other people, really um, getting to the essence of who a person or a business was and helping them get publicity around that so that they could reach the people that they wanted to work with. Wow, that's really cool. So knowing the path that you went down during high school, what was one of your favorite subjects or hobbies? Was it writing? It was. I always wrote from the, from the time I can remember. I was always writing stories for my little sisters and poems and writing and reading are still what I do to uh, kind of escape from the day-to-day world. They've just always been part of who I am. Wow, that's really cool. Well, what was one of your first actual jobs, one where you got a paycheck and wanted to perform well? I was a playground supervisor. And it's still when people say, what's the best job you ever had, even though I really love this one, the idea of getting up every morning, putting on shorts, and a polo shirt, going to a playground, (laughs) hanging out with kids, playing kickball and softball and doing arts and crafts um, remains to this day my favorite job. And I thought it was really good prep for being a school teacher. Um, But even though I switched careers, I continued doing that job every summer um, from the time I was 16, no, 15, I think, 15 to 21. And I loved it. I loved it. Well, you could always go back if you really want to. 
<laughs> I might. I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, we understand where you came from, what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a teacher, and then you kind of switched past to the PR aspect of it. Well, tell us, what do you do today? And if you would, continue on that path and tell us how you got there. Sure. So when I was in school, um, I always felt like I wanted to make a difference. My dad was a civil servant. He was a city manager, and my mom did all kinds of volunteer work. And so that giving back was really ingrained in me. And so when I went into PR, um, two paths were presented to me. One was working for a nonprofit where you could make a difference, and the other one was working for a business where you could make money. And I spent a good part of my career going back and forth between the two. So I started with the American Cancer Society. I was doing public information and fundraising for them right out of school. Um, I juggled a couple extra jobs, and then from there I went to work for the Toledo Blade, and I was in the newspaper industry. That gave me just so much incredible experience. I shot commercials for them. I wrote copy for Jeep and Nabisco and helped them place their advertising. So I was doing way more than just doing ad copy for clients of the newspaper. Um, but I just I kept feeling that tug of wanting to make a difference and it was many, many fast forward, you know, 25 years before B Corps came on the scene. And, and so what B Corps are is a hybrid. They're businesses that use business as a force for good. And when I found out about those, I thought, that's where I need to be. And there weren't very many in Ohio. There are about 2,400 around the world that are certified B Corps right now. Um, and then different states offer an incorporation status, but Ohio is not one of them at this point in time. I basically couldn't find the place I wanted to work, and so I took a leap of faith and became an entrepreneur and started my company six years ago. Wow. Okay. And if you would, tell us a little bit about your company and what it does. Okay. So my company is called Prosper for Purpose, and so what we do is we work with individuals and organizations to help them activate their brand purpose. So really connecting with why they're doing what they do to tell stories that can then help organizations achieve influence, income, and impact. And so ultimately, we're really focused on how can we help organizations make a difference. So our clients range from individuals that are leaving the corporate world to pursue their personal passion, to um, nonprofits, government agencies, and for-profits that are either focused on the social or environmental impact space. Okay, so what would an example be? Do you have one of, don't mention company names, obviously, but, you know, Company X, you know, would like to implement a program? Is that how it takes effect? Yeah, so one of our clients right now works in construction rehabilitating historic buildings. And so commercial properties and houses. And what makes this company different is that they use non-toxic products or, and less toxic products when there are no non-toxic products available. So they're really dedicated to restoring buildings, so to repurpose things so that we don't contribute to the waste in the world, but also by restoring them and making them healthy so that the people who are living and working in them don't get sick from toxic chemicals and, and other products. 
So that's an example of a for-profit that we work with. Okay, so what role does your firm have in that? Is that helping them source the material? Is that kind of putting a program together to communicate to the community what they're doing? How, how does your company interact with that goal? So what we do is we start with our clients by looking at how they're currently telling their story. So we're, in essence, strategists and storytellers. So we, we do research. We look at all the different channels, so their website, their blog, their printed pieces, their social media, and we start with what makes you different and how are you communicating that. And then we strategize on where the, they're missing. So maybe they're missing and they don't really know how to tell their story, so they're really not even talking about it. Other times it's that they just mention it, but they don't really build their brand identity around what makes them special. So we work with them, we, we create the strategy that they need, and then we actually do the writing for them. So we'll interview them, we'll rewrite their website copy, we'll work with the media to get stories told about them, we'll teach them how to better communicate on social media, or we'll manage the social media for them. So we can do everything from um, providing the strategy and teaching them how to implement it to actually taking the strategy and implementing it for them or with them to get them where to go. Wow, that's really cool. So it sounds like you have a pretty diverse job. So if you could kind of tell us what your typical work week is like. Sure. So my work week is very different every week, of course, but <laughs> it's a mix of client meetings. So we have clients around North America. So I would say fewer than um, half of our clients are actually in Ohio or Northeast Ohio specifically. So a lot of our meetings are via video conference. We talk with our clients every single week, so every client has a weekly touch point. So we have those. We do things like uh, retreats for boards and staff to really get to the core of what their brand is, whether they're new or maybe they're going through strategic planning and we're helping them with that. So Friday, for example, I'll actually be off-site leading a strategic planning session. We do our own writing, so we have a blog and a newsletter, so people who subscribe to those are educated about the things that we do and how they can kind of implement them into their own business. Gosh, what else? This week we are preparing materials. We're doing a round of revision and working with our designers for a product um, actually for a cause campaign for, I think I mentioned this to you, the Ohio Department of Edu Higher Education. So we're going to be launching a cause campaign with them. So we do that as well. So when I talked about branding and helping organizations better communicate, sometimes what they really need is a campaign. So that could be an advertising campaign or in the case of our government agency clients and our nonprofit clients, a lot of times it's an awareness and education campaign. So they want to change behaviors or they want to fundraise for a new initiative. So we help them by putting together campaigns that are really storytelling campaigns and how they make a difference and why their initiative is important and how people can support it. Wow, that sounds really great. And I see the need for that especially if you're already doing something that's great, that benefits others or the community. Being able to share that is a value to all, really, because some people might not realize what you're doing. Um, and then it just kind of communicates your uh, mindset and your mission you have beyond you know, the nuts and bolts business aspect of it. Right, 
As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster. So, Lorraine, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a teacher, and what you actually do today. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Would you still be on the playground? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. The playground was great. I always wanted to get my master's, and it was one of those things that I kept putting off. And I know I can still do it, but I've done so many other educational programs since then. But I think if I could do it over... I would have continued and earned my master's in education because I do go speak at at colleges quite a bit, and I have to say that that bug for teaching is still there. And short of being a playground supervisor, once I retire, it would be really fun to be able to teach a course on um, the, the kind of public relations that I do because it is really different than anything that is taught in schools right now, which is why I have so much fun when I go to colleges and and speak because it kind of blows everybody's mind that you can actually do well in the corporate world and and work in an organization that really uh, looks at a triple bottom line, which is people, planet, and product. So a lot of your listeners would know a lot of the organizations that are now kind of leading this charge. So Patagonia is a B Corp, Tom Shoes. Athleta, which is a Gap company, Warby Parker, the glass company, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but Danone, that owns Danone Yogurt and just a plethora of other brands, is actually the largest B corporation in the world. So we're really seeing a trend towards more and more businesses understanding that um, stakeholder value is just as important as shareholder value. So what that means is we have to take seriously the impact that our business has on the planet, and we have to take seriously the impact that our work has on people. And so the people where we have our business, the people who make our products, the people who work with and for us, all of that matters. And when we start looking at how we're delivering value to them as as, as important as the value we're delivering to our shareholders, It can really shift the philosophy of work and and essentially shift the global economy so that we're really bringing our values to the core decisions we make in our business. Yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned those companies because I've always worked for a for-profit company. I just always have. And as I've worked in this podcast and interviewed nonprofit organizations, I've been really intrigued by the nonprofit side of it. And now you've educated me to this new version that I did not know existed. So <laughs> that's uh, that's really cool. So, well, let's make the assumption that someone in our audience wants to do what you do. Now, I need you to define that as you will. Uh, what advice would you give them? I would tell them to pursue a degree in journalism um, with a specialization in public relations to write, 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 because that's the core of everything that we do. To be a good storyteller you um, and to do it in writing, you have to be, first and foremost, a good writer. But I'd also say take some psychology classes, take sociology classes, because really understanding the people and the markets and um, the generations and the different ways the generations approach the businesses that they support is all really, really important. It's always changing. So 
you know, the other thing is you have to be committed to being a lifelong learner. When I graduated from college, there was no internet. There was no social media. So if I had stopped learning at that point, I wouldn't be very good at, at what I do. You get that baseline, get as much different information as you possibly can to help inform what you do. The skill is great, but you have to have a very strong frame of reference as well. Wow, that's really great advice. Well, let's talk to the student who is currently in a college, university, or tech school. What advice would you give them while they're in school? That's a tough one. I think the same thing. I think specialization is really important. But it's also really important to think about what you're doing and what else you need to know. So I would say if you're focused on a certain career, find some people either through your school that are alums of your university or people that work in the area that do what you want to do and ask them if they would spend 15 minutes having coffee with you, that you're a student and you just really want a little bit of advice and ask them, you know, I'm in college, this is my major, what other classes should I be thinking about or what kind of internships should I get? Because they're the people who, who really know and can give you that best advice. And, and most people will either say yes to that kind of informational interview, even if they say, oh, I can't meet, but I'll do it by phone, or they'll connect you to someone who can meet with you. And I, I just I think that it's invaluable, and, and most students are hesitant to do that. And I, to that, I would say, what's the first, worst thing that could happen? Someone could say no, um, and if they do, then you reach out to the next person. But you can really learn a lot by talking to someone who's doing what you want to do. Wow. Yeah, that's really great advice just from the networking perspective and learning from their years of experience. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? We are working on a campaign for um, the Ohio Department of Higher Education, and it's around their Changing Campus Culture initiative, which is really about keeping students safe on campus, primarily during those first two months back at school, which is the time where most of sexual assault takes place. They're actually working with the Ohio Department of Higher Education on a program that will be available on campuses across the state, and I'm really excited and honored and proud to be part of this initiative. That's really cool. It'll be interesting to see how that gets rolled out. I'm sure they'll be very successful, and it's for some great reasons to do it, so that's awesome. Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation, and I'm a huge car enthusiast. So would you please tell me what was your first car? Oh, my gosh. It's one they don't even make any longer. (laughs) I believe they don't make it any longer. It's a Buick Skyhawk. They do not make a Skyhawk. Still make Buick, but not a Skyhawk. Oh, yeah. Buick's still around. Yeah. What year would that have been? Oh, gosh. 83, I want to say. And it was white and... um, and it was a two-door, and I loved that little car. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd um, driven some clunkers, like, you know, the, the family car or whatever. In the past, <laughs> and this was my first car, and I bought it myself, and, and I loved that car. I kept it for a long time. Wow, that's great. Well, what is your dream car if you have one? <laughs> my dream car is a Jeep Wrangler Hybrid, which does not exist, but... 
I lived in Toledo for a number of years, and I lived where they made the Grand Cherokees, and I eventually got a Grand Cherokee, and I love driving Jeeps, and I've rented Jeeps, but doing the work that I do, um, I'm really mindful of not contributing to my carbon footprint any more than is absolutely necessary. So as much as I covet a Jeep Wrangler, I am waiting for it to go hybrid or electric or something so that I can justify that purchase. Well, that is a true dream car since it does not currently <laughs> exist. But I bet it will get, exist within five years. I think that's coming pretty quick. I hope so. I hope so. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy a really cool company car based on your job. And we don't know each other, and I picked you the exact opposite of a hybrid that has a huge carbon footprint, so let me apologize for that to start off. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with your philosophy that mission, purpose, is the foundation for success and prosperity. So that's where I started. And so I looked at what car was specifically made to succeed in a very specific way. And the car I came up with is a really cool car. I picked for you a 1969 Porsche 917. Have you ever heard of this car? No, Porsche 917? Yes, I will send you a picture. They only built 25 of them, and they were made for racing, and they won in 1970 and 71, and they were actually outlawed because they were so successful, and it still holds the record for the fastest lap record at Le Mans in France. So that's the car I picked for you. Awesome. I am going to find that car, print out a photo of it, and put it up on my um, bulletin board by my desk. Okay. (laughs) And when this posts, I will send you a picture of it. Uh, They have some really psychedelic colors, and uh, there's there's only 25 of them, and they're in very high-end collections and museums right now, so they're super cool. That is awesome. That's really cool. I'm, I'm very flattered. I cannot wait to find out what this car actually looks like. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? They can go to prosperforpurpose.com. It's P-R-O-S-P-E-R and then the word for F-O-R purpose.com. They can also follow us on Instagram where we're prosper and then the number for purpose.com, Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. Well, thanks Lorraine for your time today. Thank you, Greg. I really appreciated it. And hello to all your students and good luck on your career journeys. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.